Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Well, it was Brennan's first trip to Anfield since he was sacked in 1516. And with all the media attention, his team definitely lived up to the hype, you could say. A credit to the maturity of the Reds, however, from attack to midfield to defense, proved ultimately too much. Contested as it was, took a pen in the 90th minute to settle this one. Welcome back to another episode of the Talk On Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hallett, and joining me, Brian Painter, who just loves to do these pods when the sun is still up, don't you, man? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? It's uh, good. it's nice to do a pod uh, uh, when it's you know the sun's still out and it's uh, afternoon, early afternoon, late evening. Uh, so I'm down with that. Wife's, wife's happy with you. You're not interrupting dinner. Yeah, yeah, I can still go out. I mean, there's you know there's things I can take my wife to dinner, do something along those lines. All good. <laughs> And this pod is special to me personally. I, I get the extreme pleasure of welcoming my new partner in the evolution of Talk On, the business behind all of these podcasts, our new, and if this doesn't totally give it away, our new chief editor, Notorious JOS, JOS from the Twitter for those that know him, John O'Sullivan for those that don't. Hey, John. Well, lads, it's great to be on the overseas signing, making his debut <laughs> in the third different time zone in this chat. So, you know, it's eclectic. Yeah, right. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping. My name is nothing to do with Conor McGregor. I actually had that name as far back as Bebo. So I actually had that before him, you know, not to say <laughs> I'm smarter or more successful than Conor McGregor, but in no way. Yes, that's what I am saying. Um, yeah. So glad to be on. You've been served. Uh, that last name is uh, Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a strong Puerto Rican name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some strong yeah. ethnic background out down uh, yeah. out Central America. <laughs> uh, I, my Spanish sounds suspiciously like English, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He might be from Ireland. I'm not totally sure, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> welcome to Talk On Family, my friend. Uh, John, for those that don't know him, uh, he's not only a lifelong Liverpool supporter, and that just goes without saying on this pod, he's been a sports writer for a number of years at Anfield Index, and for most of his time recently covering Irish rugby, one of the nicest lads you'll meet in the game. So uh, again, very excited to have you. Is that good enough for the ego? How did I do? <laughs> yeah, I feel suspicious. I feel suspiciously like a big kind of man right now. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's like collusion or something. It's, yeah. It's always easier when Liverpool win, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. You can crack these jokes and it's fine. <laughs> yeah, nobody feels like stabbing anybody. So. Yeah, this isn't Roma. Ooh. No, ooh. <laughs> we'll definitely get into, you know, what Talk On is up to, what listeners can expect going forward. But needless to say, we're in the process of raising our game and we're very excited to have you all with us around the world. With all that out of the way, uh, let's get into the match. This week, we're skipping the headlines, getting right into the moments that mattered versus Leicester, and there were a few of them. Why don't we start with how Klopp set up? And uh, new guy, John, first one's to you. You see, okay, so... You see Lovren in the team sheet next to, oh. next to Virgil. Klopp, of course, <laughs> anticipating a pretty physical battle, but this is Lovren. So I guess you came from Anfield Index. How about the Anxiety Index? Where was that? Yeah, that was pretty high. I put it around an 8.5 out of 10. Yeah. Um, That's conservative, too. Yeah, you know, I thought because Gomez had played against Salzburg and he didn't play well, but you have to see it in the context of him, you know, returning for the first time this season alongside Van Dijk after a few injuries against a very well-marshaled and well-drilled attacking unit. I thought that maybe he got that kind of kink out of the system. And he would have played because on paper, he's the ideal player to play against Vardy because he's the quickest centre-half at Liverpool. I actually think he might be the quickest player. I remember reading that his uh, pre-season like, um, speed tests were the highest at the club. But uh, I assumed he would have played because, you know, Lovren hasn't had many minutes either this season. But uh, in he came out of the cold. And to be fair to him, as much as I'm not a fan, he'd done quite well. 
Um, you know, we did concede a goal, but that wasn't really on him. And he was uh, he was strong in the challenge, and there was no brain farts which he can be liable to commit. So, all in all, I think Klopp was justified in that decision as much as it kind of made me nearly pull out my hair on an Irish Rail train. So, uh, yeah, that, I was quite I was quite pleased with his performance. I don't want to see him in the team long term because you're you know you're signing a deal with the devil if you keep him in there. But you know. You have to give him credit on what he's done, and you know he done he done quite well this weekend. I thought. Yeah, it, we slate him maybe a few times, and a lot of it came from me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jeff, I think you're one. I think you're one of the biggest uh, naysayers I've ever met um, with somebody who's a four string center back. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Similar question. So you you saw Milner get the start over Hendo. Now I don't imagine Klopp foresaw the penalty later in the game uh yeah it's pretty hard to predict a 93rd minute penalty needing uh you know needed to be taken to win the game so I, I agree with you on that comment yeah so when you saw him on the left in the midfield uh were you okay with this after say salzburg yeah i mean listen it's it, it, you have to rotate the midfield and and again i i know genie and fab's you know, stayed in and, and played, you know, most of the match, but, um, you know, you've got to rotate, you've got to get minutes into everybody's legs. I, I don't have a problem with Milner playing. He barely played, uh, he's barely played, um, very much at all this recently. Um, but I, I'm okay with it. And, you know, again, horses for courses, you put him in, you figure he's going to solidify the midfield. Um, he's a level head. Um, I wasn't expecting to go the full, the full match. I figured, you know, the easy rotation, have him play 60, 70, put Hendo in for the final 20 to close things out. That obviously didn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I had no problem with Miller. And he, like Lovren, really showed Klopp to be brilliant for putting him in. Uh, and yeah, we'll absolutely. get, we'll get into all the plaudits as we go through the match. Um, John, back to you, since we didn't really do a preview of Lester, this is a team stacked with talent. And yes, credit to Brendan, but also to their staff, their director of football, like how they've assembled this club, Tielemans, Madison that's been there, uh, Ndidi, who I think a lot of us on this pod were curious about before we got Fabinho, uh, even Pereira at right back. Did you ever see this coming, uh, Brendan Rogers' team that can defend? No. Um, but I mean... Before this game, they had the best uh, defensive record along with us in the league. But um, I haven't watched all of their games. But I've watched some of them. And they defend maybe in a similar manner to a Guardiola team. It's not a conventional way of defending. They defend by keeping the ball. And that's, you know, Rodgers is very dogmatic in his insistence that possession football is the right way to play. And this is what he tries to instill into his teams. So I think fundamentally, they mightn't be like the best defensive team, but they kind of... They kind of skirt around that being, by, you know, being able to keep the ball quite well. But then, in saying that, they do have some very good defenders. I mean, Evans is a very solid defender. Sayonchu has a lot of potential. Um, yeah, he's he maybe 22, right? Want to, yeah, he maybe wants to stop. How do you say his last name? He has... Um, I, I didn't know how to pronounce his last name. I thought it was crazy. Um, I used to live in Turkey, and that's my best stab at it. But, like, it could be wrong, but, uh, I think. Yeah, the American broadcasters were saying Soyunchu. Yeah, that could be right. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to claim to be an expert but on that. But, uh, yeah, that lad, anyway, the big lad, the center lad, Lord Farquhar, um, as he's known. <laughs> um, and then in terms of fullbacks, I actually think after Liverpool, they have the best pair in the league in Pereira and Chilwell. Um, I can't... If Benjamin Mendy was fit for City more often, then you could probably say it would be City. Um, behind Liverpool, because I think Liverpool's are on a pedestal that they're untouchable right now in terms of quality. Absolutely. But, yeah, Leicester's uh, fullbacks are very good. Sancho and Evans, and then you mentioned Ndidi, they're shielded by him. So you know that's a formidable enough kind of uh, fivesome of uh, maybe more defensively orientated players. So maybe it's not so much of a surprise uh, how well they've done defensively. But again, we we all know how Rogers can be a bit liable to make a defense leaky. So. Once we have a bigger sample size, it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, so far they've been uh, they've been quite good, and despite having tough enough games, I mean they've gone to both us and Old Trafford. And you might say Old Trafford isn't that much of a hard place to go to anymore, but still, it has an intimidation factor. <laughs> and you know, 
United are prone are liable to get penalties there. So yeah, so far so good. Um, probably a little bit better than I expect them to be. What did you think of their attack? Because clearly they were able to give it back to us as much as we controlled the game and were able to slice them open. I mean, I thought it was, I thought their attack was was largely inept. I mean, they only had two shots on t- uh, on goal. I mean, that's for me. Like you've got Vardy in the lineup. You've also got some. You've got Madison, um, who's who's a tremendous talent. I mean, they were largely ineffective most of the game and. You know, I, I thought I thought they were I thought their attack. Um, I know what they were trying to do, um, which is hit us on the counter because that's what that's Brendan Rodgers was really. Yeah, that's what Brendan Rodgers was very successful at with you know with us back in fourteen fifteen, um, or through his whole tenure here actually. Uh, and you know they have Vardy, so you naturally think he's going to play off the shoulder of you know of Lovren because why wouldn't you? Um, and you know, I thought they were largely inept most of the game. Uh, and if it wasn't for, you know, Madison getting a, you know, getting through that one time and, and, and finishing it off nicely, uh, they would have been kept quiet for most of the game. Talk about, as we get into the match, so typical Anfield start, league, league tie, we came out on the front foot, clearly. First to second balls, like our movement, our distribution, it was everything you've come to love and enjoy about Liverpool. What did you think of us man- matching their energy and sort of the tie leading up to when we started to penetrate more, get some chances? I mean, listen, um, I thought it, I thought we were largely lively um, through most of the match. I didn't think, you know, first half we didn't get a whole lot of we didn't get a whole lot of action in front of their goal. We didn't really test Michael at all um, early on. Um, you know, I thought it was, you know, us largely on the front foot most of most of the match. Um, although the possession stats uh, don't bear that out. I mean, it ended up 51% to 49%. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> you can, you know, you can look at um, the shots on target of eight to one, the total shots of 18 to two. Um, you know, as, as key indicators to who was largely putting the most pressure on, um, on, on each other. Um, I do think that, uh, Lester, you know, was very snide in a lot of, um, the way they approached, approached us. Um, you know, they had 17 fouls versus our nine. One was a shocking, absolutely shocking tackle on Mo Salah that I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think, you know, we, would do exactly what you expect us to do at home, which is dominate pretty much most of the run of play um, and take it to a lesser side and Lester and albeit Lester has been, you know, largely very good this entire season thus far. Um, you know, there's still a golfing class between Liverpool and Leicester city. And we did exactly what you would expect us to do at home. Um, and, you know, I thought the team, other than not taking any chances and not being very creative in the final third to get more, you know, expected goal chances, I thought we pretty much controlled most of the match, uh, except for a few instances, um, which ended up in us conceding uh, the tying goal. Milner catches Mane's run perfectly from 30 yards out, and we start to see some goals happen. Mane, as he's making his run, as Milner catches him, leaves Soyochu. I do dictionary marks so I can actually say it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it leaves Soyotu and, and Evans chasing Mane with the world-class finish. Would you say Milner sort of justified his start single-handedly in that moment? Yeah. Um, I mean, he finishes with a goal and assist, which was a lot more than I envisioned when I was kind of half-ruining not starting Keita instead of him <laughs> at about 5-3 to three on Saturday afternoon. Um it was a brilliant left-footed pass. It was the only real option because Leicester had actually boxed Liverpool in quite well there. Um, so Mane, he was brilliant throughout, by the way, defensively and in terms of the attack. Oh, wasn't um, he? Yeah, he was class. Oh, he was class. unbelievable, including that tackle. I mean, his work rate is just... Like, people would be like wanking over uh, Wan-Bissaka if he made a tackle like that. But there's Mane playing on the wing and tracking back and doing that. So, you know, he was really good. But yeah, that run was brilliant because it provided us with the outball. 
the pass was equally as good. And I love that kind of finish. I think if you were to talk about categories of finishes in football, that Terry Henry style coming in from the left-hand side like a golf putter, just caressing it into the bottom corner. I love that. It was, it was, a, it was, a, you know, it was a goal worthy, I think, of our dominance. Um, Milner had missed a good chance earlier from an Alexander-Arnold nutmeg and cross, so he kind of made amends with that, uh, with that assist. And it's, it's a kind of pass you actually rarely see him play. So it's good to see there's uh, life in the old dog yet, and he can still, you know, he can still produce like that. We have to double click on Mane because, my God, as you said, defending, going forward, distributing, being first to the second ball, like winning the ball back. He's doing everything that Klopp asks of his forwards. Plus, he's got to be the most informed forward in the world. Painter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, he's. I, you know, I, I know um, we just touched on it, but his defensive, his just, his defensive awareness, um, particularly in the first half, was was fantastic. I mean, I thought, I thought him, you know, his tackling, uh, his aggressiveness. I said before the game, he, um, he looks like a tiger ready to pounce, and he did nothing but pounce all over the field, defensively, offensively. I, I also thought it was interesting how Klopp set up where he um, put Mo, uh, Mo Salah through the uh, central forward position. He put Bobby out on the left, and he put Mane back in Mane's original right-handed um, winger position. And I thought that was an interesting play. Um, and then to get the goal, they switched it back up and put him um, back on the left, which obviously Milner played the inch-perfect ball to – to uh, Mane and you know he did what he did um, which was tuck it away like you know an average uh, goal like a run-of-the-mill goal that anybody scores yet um, nobody really does except for guys of Mane's quality so um, I just thought it was an all-around tremendous performance and in terms of him being one of the best um, wingers in all the world I, I don't think that's really in question these days I think he's absolutely cemented himself in that position um, and that level of stature uh, in the world of football. Uh, and I think what puts it over the edge for me is when you say all around, because I think he gives himself up defensively where most ring wingers like a Ronaldo uh, in his prime or uh, Mbappe don't come back and play defense. And I think that for me, uh, being a fullback that would love when a winger came back and actually made a tackle for me <laughs> to help me out in defense is always something that is much appreciated, but I think he's just had a tremendous start to the season. Uh, he looks bang up for, you know, the title challenge, uh, and a very, very promising, um, 1920, uh, season. I think he has a real shot to be, you know, the premier league player of the year. Um, unless Sala catches fire or somebody else catches fire. I think he's, he right now for me is, you know, top of that list. And I think, um, the sky's the limit for him with the way he's playing. It makes you wonder, Klopp, the way he develops players, and obviously we've talked quite a bit about his development bent. You know, it's like he's not the checkbook manager. He's the polar opposite of that. He likes to develop even a rock into something good. For the stars that he's developed in his career back at Dortmund, or even, I don't know if you could go further back to Mainz if they had any sort of frontline talent. It seems with Liverpool, he's developed these well-rounded forwards. You know, what he's done to Bobby, leveraging all of his strengths to make him a number nine that most of the world doesn't understand. And here he's done sort of the same thing for Sadio. I, I don't know if Sadio was the same profile of player coming in. No way. I mean, when we were linked to him, I was really reticent. Um, I remember saying on Twitter famously, because people have retweeted it, pulling the piss out of me, like last year. <laughs> I remember saying I'd rather sign Gucci Mane than Sadio Mane. But, you know... I'm delighted to have been wrong because you have to remember his last six months in Southampton and maybe this is because his heart was set in a move. Like, we don't know this. So, but he went six months without scoring or assisting. So you're thinking, is that what we're hanging our hat on? But then he came in and he was brilliant straight away and he hasn't dropped below brilliance basically at all since he's been at the club. I mean, he's a non-set-piece taking wide man who's, you know, you can, you can fall into categories. You can be a wide man as a forward, or you can be a wide man as a winger. He's done both roles at Liverpool and both really successfully. But he has a one-in-two goal-scoring ratio without taking set pieces. And additionally, it's not like 
you know, he's the fulcrum and everything goes through him. Other players are scoring. Salah broke the Premier League goal-scoring record alongside him. Firmino has been relatively prolific alongside him. So it's not like he takes away from the team when he's been brilliant. He, he just adds to the team as well as being individually outstanding. So I think, yeah, you're right. When Klopp probably looks at, like, when he retires, which I hope is not for a very long time when he stays at Liverpool, but when he retires, he'll probably look back, probably, and he probably have Mane up there alongside maybe Salah and Robert Lewandowski, about the players that he's probably developed the furthest. Um, I don't know if you saw Cesc Fabregas' tweet over the weekend, where he's just said that he thinks that Mane has been one of the three best players in the world for the last year or two, wow. and how much he'd love to play alongside him. And I mean, this is primarily an American like podcast, but you you know that like Sesk is like the quarterback player. You know, he he he's the guy that loves making the incisive passes, and he's the guy with all the vision. So for him to say that is just a glowing endorsement. hundred percent. Sesk was quality. Um, <clears throat> he's been quality for you know, over a decade. So, you know, all of those plaudits that are coming uh, Mane's way, he deserves 100% because um, he's absolutely delivering in spades for us. Yeah, just think of just, all the first goals, all the key goals. Like, Painter and I were suffering in Kiev, granted, with a few beers in us, but he was the first one to put foot to ball, like, when, when things were down. And it seems like he shows always in that role. He's always there at the right time, scoring the first goal, scoring the decisive goal. I mean, you could say that for most of our matches through the eight that we've been been in. And just such a likable character. He's so humble and he's so in touch with his roots. I mean, he, like he builds, I think, hospitals back in Senegal. Yeah. He's built He's an extremely religious guy. I remember the video where Van Dyke was handing around the special editions. Uh, a FIFA, FIFA twenty one <laughs> release. And Mane is there, like he doesn't know what FIFA is. Like he's so kind of out of touch with all the trappings of modern football, which I think is great because a lot of it is very vacuous and fake, and I have no time for it myself. So to see him just like totally oblivious to it, I felt was a great thing. But still, still competitive at, at that number, the overall score. He's like, it, it's too, it's not enough. Needs to be high. Yeah, well, it's, it isn't enough because <laughs> whatever you give him isn't enough because the guy is he's in ridiculous form. Yeah. So pushing ahead to the second half, I mean, that was I, I could bask in Mane love all day, but as we look at the second half, energy really matters coming out after the talk to assert similar dominance that we were able to achieve in the first half. Do you think we came out with that? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think um, I think we I think we were very uh, good in the second half. I don't I don't think there was any glaring like weakness or anything that I would point out as like oh shit they really got on top of us here. Um, they did have a couple spells where you know they played good, but you know to be fair, they're they, they were third in the league for a reason, right? Um, they they're, they're not a shit side, right? So. They were going to have their spells where they got on top um, and got uh, got at us for a little bit because they're good footballers. So, uh, you know, my 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 thing is is I thought it was a very I thought it was a decent second half for the most part coming out of the coming out at halftime. Um, I thought we had some I thought we had some good chances. Um, and again, they're going to get their chances because they're a good side and they got their chances and they took one of them. And, and in fairness to us, we didn't quit. Um, we kind of got um, back on the horse and, um, you know, Van Dyke was yelling at people and um, getting people back focused on, on the task at hand. But I thought they I thought they came out, you know, ready for a fight um, in the second half. And, you know, again, all the credit to, in the world to Liverpool for playing, you know, playing through a very challenging game, a very challenging opponent that always causes us problems at Anfield. They always cause us problems. I mean, I don't know what Vardy's goal record is, but, you know, for the most part, he was put in check the entire match. But usually he's scoring goals against us at Anfield. For whatever reason, he's had a really good run against us, and he was largely put in check most of the game. So I thought, I thought all in all, we, were, we looked very comfortable uh, until they got that one back on us. It was down to like tempo of the game determined how tired everybody was by, you know, Klopp's usual sub window, the 67th minute. 
John, what did you think of his subs? Was it Genie gone missing for this? Like, what did you think of his performance? And Bobby, I don't, I, I think he's, you know, beyond reproach. He was doing all the things that he's been doing so well this year. I think Wijnaldum is possibly the strangest footballer I've ever watched regularly in my life because he has every attribute in terms of tactical intelligence, in terms of physicality, in terms of technical prowess. He's your typical Dutch footballer. He's so intelligent. They've been schooled in that, in that really like wholesome and, you know, um, all, all facets kind of football. Like he's kind of good at everything. But sometimes he's just really like anonymous. It feels like, sometimes it nearly feels like he's overcoached. Like he's trying so hard to be what Klopp wants him to be that he's nearly forgot about elements of his natural game. And like for a long time in that game, I think he touched the ball less than Kasper Schmeichel, which is strange considering we had the lion's share of possession. <laughs> so it wasn't one of his better games, but you know, we've just seen so much of him being brilliant in big games and what have you that when he kind of drops a performance like that, I don't really worry because you know, he's given me enough evidence to suspect that he'll just turn it back on, you know, at the at, at the at the optimum time. So no, I didn't think um, I didn't think he was particularly great. Um, Firmino had one or two nice moments, but uh, it wasn't maybe one of his better performances. I thought uh, I thought Origi, while he doesn't necessarily do anything standout, he just brings an impact off the bench. It's a very strange thing. I think psychologically, when teams see him after you know chasing the regular front three for maybe seventy minutes, they're like, "Oh shit, not this lad," because. He's big and he's strong. And I think nearly his best attribute is how erratic he is and how awkward he is because like, he doesn't know what he's going to do and he doesn't know how assured his touch is going to be. So like, there's no way in hell a defender can be sure. So he can do things like, for example, at the penalty, he flicked the ball over someone's head in a moment of like supreme skill. You're like, that's unbelievable. And then you're like, he dawdles on it. <laughs> it's dispossessed. <laughs> but it happened just, it just so happened then that like Mane kind of, Got in the end of it and got the penalty justifiably. We probably talk on that because there's debate over that. I don't think there's anything to be had, but you know, I might be touched by it. Says the man on the Liverpool dedicated podcast right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, or really he's like a hand grenade, like with a shit pin. You don't know whether it's going to explode, but sometimes it won't. But when it does, it's just carnage because he, he's just such a wild card. So uh, I thought he made a positive impact again. Um, Lalana for Salah, I really, really wasn't. <laughs> Because bear in mind, I had, like I said, the Wi-Fi and the train wasn't great, so I had to like follow this on Twitter. <laughs> I saw Lalana was coming on for Salah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would nearly be like trying to bring on the sub goalkeeper instead of Lalana. Like he's me and him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be his biggest fan. But uh, that was quite surprising. At least he he had a contribution in the end where he tried to fight Rosie Perez, which uh, something else I like to see. <laughs> yeah. By the way, did anybody see what happened? I posted it, Jeff, um, on uh, on our Slack channel. Um, Robbo walked by him and gave him a little like a little elbow slash minor push out of his way, and Perez just went absolutely shit. <laughs> nice. He just, I mean, it was very much just Robbo being like you know a little snide bastard, um, giving him a little stick um, on a walk past. It wasn't anything like really over over the top it was just a little you know little nudge as he walked by him and uh yeah i love absolute love what robo was becoming a little snide bat i mean he did that he did some of that shit back uh, against barcelona against messi uh, yeah i mean like which all we that still stuff. love i can't um, enough of it <laughs> liverpool are becoming a men's team before eyes it, yeah. like there's been like a metamorphosis in the last couple of years they're dead Dickheads, like they're complete dickheads, and I love them for. I mean, yeah, I, in the last three games, we've been booked for time wasting. We were booked for time wasting away to Sheffield United. We we're booked for time wasting um, against Salzburg. We we're booked for time wasting away to Chelsea. I mean, they're playing to the limits of the laws, and I think that's fantastic because for years we were soft touches, easy to tickle our belly. You know, we had all these ide- I like we were very idealistic about our tactical approach. And, you know, we were kind of nearly one-dimensional. But now this team is full of dickheads, and it's great. You know, they go through their, they go through their own mothers to win, and I think that's great because I want them to win. Um, yeah. And Robert personifies that. He's a complete bollocks, and it's great. Like, 
just more of that, please. Oh, 100%. I couldn't agree more, um, John. I mean, I, I, that's how I played. And um, I just I just love seeing our boys go out there and, and, and give it give it that, that little extra bit of schneid that the uh, it's just such a it's such a refreshing because we used to roll over so many times back yep. a few years ago. And, you know, when teams would get right up in our face and now it just doesn't feel like anybody's taking shit from anybody. And it's like, if you want to come, we're going to give you everything and then some. I just, I just love it. Uh, more, more of that, please. <laughs> yep. We haven't had that since Suarez. We literally haven't had the player that antagonizes the opposition. And uh, Robertson is really good at it as well because it's hard to notice without seeing it on replays. He's, he's like, he's sly. He's very, very sly. So uh, I think he's learned that playing like underage football up in Scotland, probably against like beer bellied 40 year old men when he was a teenager. <laughs> around the place, so. Because, you know, you often find that with late bloomers and Vardy is the same. They have street wisdom because yeah, they've had to learn how to play the game in a certain way. And I think he's kind of similar because he never, he was never a professional until he was about 19, like in the lower regions of Scotland. So he wasn't, you know, pampered and brought up in the best of circumstances. Like he, that's why I think the fans love him because he's so relatable because he has these like working class backgrounds and he wasn't. He wasn't born with a silver spoon, so to speak. He's had to work for everything he's had. So I think he's learned a lot that's kind of stood to him coming up that way. Yeah, that now, for instance, was missing, I thought, uh, in Champions League final 17-18. Uh-huh. Salah goes down, you know, Ramos hooks the arm, and there was no response. And yep. it, we, we've talked quite a bit about that. But now you've got Fabino in the middle that was like orchestrated almost minutes after that final ended. Robbo, to your point, has, I think his stature in the team and his confidence has come along with that. And, you know, Virgil obviously can assert himself. And even Milner, I mean, Milner has been good for a good (laughs) cynical tackle late in the game for a long time. Pull all of that together, working as a team, defending as a team, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yep. The best teams do it. Look at Fernandinho at City last year. He would never get booked, despite the fact like he, he was putting in more tackles than a rugby player. Like he, he <laughs> must have made about six cynical fouls every game and got like booked twice over a thirty-eight game season. But the best teams, you 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 probably you could probably relate to it in American sports. I know it in rugby. The best teams always do that. Always yeah, and absolutely. invariably they're hated for it. But because but the reason that they'll take every advantage they can get is why they're the best. So it's part and parcel of it. So I think it's a, it's, it's a nice kind of proxy to measure the evolution of Liverpool in the last few years. Absolutely. Uh, spot on. That so, sums it up right there. <laughs> so we got to talk about the Leicester goal. Madison. So Paints, this was Evans to Albrighton and then <laughs> Perez caught Fabinho shading off him like four to five yards, something like that. And it was a perfectly weighted pass to Madison. Klopp said the team was gassed, obviously with the t- tempo of the game. Still, Fabinho owned that, didn't he? Well, I mean, I think it, in any in any goal, usually there is a series of events that lead up to it. Fabinho um, was not good on it, um, but Van Dyke also didn't cover himself in glory. He 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 stepped. The runner went in behind. Lovren didn't have his back to to watch the runner who was running in behind um, Van Dyke. And then, candidly, I thought um, Adrian should have done better uh, on that. It wasn't it wasn't that well placed. I mean, it was under underneath him, but he still got a hand to it. He got a strong hand to it. He just it just happened to have a lot of power on it, and it went through that, and um, you know, ended up in the back of the net. So I don't necessarily put a lot of the a lot of goals and unless Lovren's involved down to a single individual, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but you know again you could point to a couple different errors errors that could have prevented that goal from happening, and and to be fair, Madison is a good player. Um, there are a lot of shouts in Liverpool land that have would love him to come. You know, in the summer, I for one would be very made up if uh, if we went out and you know went and got him uh, to come to Liverpool. He's got a great um, shot on him. He's got a good free kick. Um, 
you know, there's a lot to like about him. And I think he's going to be a really good player in this league for a long, long time. And I would, wouldn't mind him seeing, uh, wearing a Liverpool red Jersey. So, I mean, fair play to him. Um, they made a good, they made a good sequence of events, got in behind and finished the goal, uh, very nicely. So, um, but Madison's going to be a class player. And again, um, I think he's one to watch. Um, certainly, we were linked with him a bit this summer, but I think we're going to be heavily linked with him um, coming next summer for sure. The summer of Mbappe 2020, you mean? Mbappe 2020 and Madison. So yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever you want to call that. Madison 2020. Anybody, does that have the same ring? No, not oh, really. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, is he sponsored by Nike? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, Nike, go out and get him done. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, that, that was the goal. I mean, this is probably a good time to talk about Adrian and the streak that he's been, been on. But still, there's a difference between our second choice and our first choice. And that first choice, I believe, is expected back after the international break. So... It's not about slating Adriani's turn in an incredible performance, as if Carius slash Mignolet swapping back and forth could have approximated. So we're very lucky that we picked him up off the waiver wire, as it were. Allison's coming back. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, it's safe. It mm-hmm. feels safe. Yep. Um, Adrian has done as well or as good or, or better than, in fact, than. Could have been expected for a second choice keeper. I mean, when have Liverpool ever had two good keepers? Probably not since. Oh God, I, I I barely remember a time in my lifetime supporting the club where they've had two good keepers. I think when they had Reina and Donny, like Donny was a good keeper prior to Liverpool, and Reina was good prior to his form went into the toilet. So maybe you could have said at that stage they had two good goalkeepers, but it's not on the level that they're on now. Um, and I think what Alisson will bring is an intangible. It's just like a confidence that everybody has in him and the communication facets you can't measure it in stats. But I'm sure once, like, it's not like we've been very shaky defensively, but I'm sure once that he comes back, we'll see a marked difference in the defense and hopefully we'll start keeping uh, more clean sheets soon because our route to the title this season, if we are to win it, will be through our defense because Cities has already been prized open quite a few times and uh, with Laporte injured, it probably won't get any better before January at the at the earliest. So uh, we won't outscore them, I don't think. So our route to the title, like I said, is defence, and Allison is going to be a massive part of that. And uh, I think the club have been quite conservative with him. Um, Klopp was saying that he probably could have played against Leicester, so that's good to see. He won't be called up for Brazil for their friendly. So get him a good few solid weeks training alongside Oxide Chamberlain, um, Salah. And uh, Keita, all of whom haven't been called up to their respective national teams over the break. And it should all really stand them in good stead for what will be another really busy and uh, quite difficult on paper uh, period of fixtures. So I think I think he'll bring a lot to the team, but not necessarily facets that you can measure you know, statistically. I just think he'll, he'll bring a lot of confidence. Most definitely. Uh, his distribution alone and effect uh, triggering our attack off the counter – it's way underrated, I think, and it's going to matter greatly in goals as well as keeping clean sheets, as you mentioned. So as we're talking about injuries, Salah, we got to talk about the, you know, Chowdhury's full flaying of the man, sending, yeah. sending him off. Klopp, of course, still steaming about it, having suffered the Rakitic similar tackle on Keita that took him out for the rest of the year. And a lot of real meaningful minutes that just went poof. Now, Klopp's pissed. I know if roles were reversed, maybe you might, if Fabinho was <laughs> doing that late, right, going the other direction, you might support it, you might clap. But what say you on this? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, I'm always one for a full-throated challenge, Um uh, as long as it's uh, my team giving out and not getting, uh, it was a horrible tackle. Uh, the the issue the issue with the tackle was he ended up rolling up onto his foot, uh, and and the ball was completely gone. 
you know, you got to look at that and, you know, that's borderline red card, um, you know, because you can really injure somebody coming up, you know, from behind like that on somebody. So, um, if it wasn't Sala and it was like Fabinho doing it to one of their players, I'm bang up for that. <laughs> I have to be honest because he was Sala was away and it was going in the, you know, he was gonna, he was gonna try and put it away there. But, you know, thank goodness, um, you know, it's a minor sprain. Uh, they got it scanned today. ESPN.com reported um, that he's going to be uh, fine, um, go through rehab. Uh, Klopp uh, said he should be back for United, full full go against United. Uh, they'll probably rest him most of this week and then, you know, get him back training next week. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's 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 it was a shocking tackle. It was a, it was it was really poor and. He probably should have went for it, um, but he didn't. And thank goodness for us, Salah is okay because um, we're not very deep in the front three. Uh, you know, we've said this for uh, many podcasts, uh, especially the ones before leading up into the summer transfer window, um, that we needed to strengthen our front three. We have really a Rigi and uh, Brewster as our attacking backup and that's really really scary considering you know they're miles off of the quality that any one of our front three our starting front three with Firmino Salamane are and we lose one of them and it becomes a really dicey proposition especially considering um, as, as John mentioned the run of fixtures uh, that we have coming up um, which again when you look at it in two weeks, um, when they get back from international break, we go United, <clears throat> which is obviously going to be a massive game at Old Trafford. You've got Gank, um, which is on the road. Then they come back uh, from that Wednesday match to play Spurs. Then you have Arsenal the midweek in the in the uh, League Cup, Villa, Gank, and then City. And those are all weekend midweek week um, games. Um, so in that span of from November, uh, October 20th to November 10th, we go, <clears throat> we go weekend, Wednesday, weekend, um, Tuesday, so on and so forth. So there's, in those three weeks, we've got one, two, three, we've got seven games. That's one and three. So with him being out, uh, with any sustained injury would have been a massive blow because we could have really been in some trouble over that stretch of games. As we advance a little bit further in the game, we get to the penalty, which ultimately proved decisive. 92nd minute, which kind of gave me flashbacks to the Lamella penalty on Van Dyke that I was at, that match that I was at, just this time in our favor. We don't get a ton of these at Anfield, so your association to prior penalties is limited. Brendan called it soft. Was this like the official's play- payback for the non-call on Salah? What do you think? I don't think it was soft. I, I think it was a penalty. Um, first of all, it was absolutely horrific communication between Albrighton and Schmeichel. I mean, we talked about Allison being so commanding. That's where you want your keeper being very vocal and, you know, putting out a fire before it starts. You know, he should have come out and claimed that and then they don't have an issue. But because he doesn't, um, he kind of leaves Albrighton with the decision to make, and he looks kind of he looks kind of spooked by having that kind of responsibility. He's a winger; he's defending inside his box. He looks confused, and um, yeah, he hits his left leg. It's 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 a penalty. Um, you know, you get you, the kind of your dad types who were like in my day, you would have to have shot me to gone down in the box. But I mean. By the letter of the law, if foul in the box equals a penalty, and that was a foul because it was enough to put more. So, I mean, I, I don't think I should overcomplicate it by, you know, adding kind of layers of complexity to it. I think it was a penalty because he fouled him in the box, as simple as that. <laughs> yep. You know, that a lot of people were saying he dove, and yeah, guess what? He is a winger, he's a tricky winger, and he is going to get some contact through the back of him, he is going to go down. Like, as a defender, you know that's going to happen. And then you leave it up to the ref to make a decision. And VAR's never going to overturn it unless it's absolutely crystal clear. They've proven that time and time again this season where they're not going to overturn the 
call on the field. And the FAA has said as much that they're going to go with the benefit of the doubt to the referee's decision that was originally made. So fair play to Mane for getting in a position dumb on Albrighton, as John mentioned, um, for not, you know, for not just hoofing it out of bounds when he had the chance and poor on Schmeichel for not coming out and commanding the box. So they, you give a referee a decision to make and you're always leaving it out of your hands. So I, I thought Monty did the right thing. <clears throat> was the contact a little light? Yeah, you could say it was. Um, Monty's stronger than that probably. But at, at the end of the day, you know, you're giving the referee a decision to make. You come through the back of a player. It's going to be an easy call. And yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, as much as it's the lowest hanging fruit, there's a difference in narrative here. If his name was Samuel Madden instead of Sadio Mane, and he happened to be from England, then it would be kind of deemed as the Lionheart, you know, manipulating the opponent into fouling him. A clever, a clever bit of forward Machiavellian dark arts. Because no, he's not. He's from Africa, so he's a diver. Because that's the way the British media works, unfortunately. Um, I mean, Harry Kane does stuff like that all the time, and there's no witch hunt. So you know, I think I think I think where he's born has a big bearing on people's opinion about these kind of things. Sadly, yeah, Harry Kane used to do that stuff, not so much anymore. Or maybe he's doing them and just not getting called. You know, I don't mind diving so much. I mean, a lot of people are really against it, but I think that a lot of times, if you can manipulate your opponent in such a way, it's kind of smart. It's not really within maybe the ethos of the game as such, but like if you can get away with doing things, then why not? Like it's not your issue that officials, you know, aren't up to scratch. Well, yeah, I agree. Painter, this one ends with Hamas Milner that Klopp keeps coming back to, keeps wanting to extend and come back to the club. And he delivers his pen taking cool as you like with the tribute to Shaq. It looked like yeah. pretty amazing, right? Uh, um, either Shaq or Mbappe, one of those two, because Mbappe does that celebration too. So maybe he's trying to, <laughs> maybe he's trying to send a message for the Mbappe 2020 crowd. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, listen, Milner's got ice in his veins. I mean, the guy is just, when it comes to taking penalties, like you wouldn't want anybody else on Liverpool's side um, to take it. I mean, arguably, you probably, you know, other than Gerard, maybe you you you'd want anybody else in the last, you know, fifteen years to take a penalty, um, other than James Milner. I mean, the guy is just he's lights out when it comes to uh, converting from the spot. And and to be fair, like he was calm, cool, collected. He sent the keeper the wrong way. Happy days, um, easy as you like, and you know three points in the bag, and you know let's let's pack it in for for the international break. So, I you know I I thought I was mentioning this on the Slack channel um, to to the guys is I, I'm I hope he signs another contract. In fact, I think he's got another couple years in him. He turns 34 in January, and I could see him playing another two seasons at Liverpool. I mean, he's that physically fit at his age where he can still contribute, you know, 20 to 30 matches. Um, and then he still has the quality to do things like he did, uh, you know, to finish off uh, Lester at the weekend. So I, you know, I have a lot of respect for Milner. I don't know where he's going to rank all time or, or what he's going to, how he's going to be viewed when he retires. I would assume he'll be back for many a legend game um, after he's done um, playing football He's right now is on 137 matches for Liverpool, and I think or 135 matches, and I think um, he his time at City was 147. So arguably, by the end of this year, he is going to have the most caps of any team he's played for, um, and that's going to be Liverpool. So you know he's he's quickly becoming you know a cult legend if he isn't already, and I I love the guy. Um, I was actually thinking about buying a Milner jersey um, after the match um, when, I got up, when I got home. so <laughs> I think I, I agree with that. Just two points on Milner. Uh, the first one was he had to wait so long to take that penalty, which just, just shows how, like, how big the guy's balls are because, because of the VR check. I'd say he was three or four minutes nearly waiting to take that penalty. You know, a lot of players in that scenario would have just started overthinking it and they would have panicked, but no, nah, he was as cool as a cucumber. 
and slotted it away. And uh, another thing you mentioned about all of his appearances, like he's a great advertisement for being teetotal. I mean, says the guy who's now going to Italy on Friday to drink loads of wine and limoncello and make a peg of myself. But he is played. <laughs> he is basically played consistently in the Premier League since the age of sixteen. Like, yeah, when he was he's never injured. Yeah, ever. He's never injured, and I think he'll stay at Liverpool, provided Leeds don't get promoted. I think because of the emotional side of it, that he would probably go back to Leeds if they got promoted. But if he were to stay, you know, and play maybe infrequently, I think it's a great player to build your culture around because, you know, he has he's not the most naturally gifted player. But I think if you have someone like that at the head, like maybe not the alpha of the dressing room, but one of the key senior players, it sets a great precedent because all the young players coming in are like, this is the standard. This is how you have to live off the pitch. This is how you have to handle training. This is like how you have to apply yourself. And if they have more talent, then, you know, they can grow into better players again. But when you see him at the forefront, I think it's really important to have a player like that because he leads by example. Physically, physically like, he, he, he set all the performance standards in preseason training when they came back from summer. Um, over every other player, he was more physically fit than any other player in terms of the training, uh, you know, that they, that they tested him out at in the beginning of camp. So, I mean, uh, fair play to him. I wish I, I wish I, I wish I had his, uh, his physical prowess. <laughs> I think Milner as well was like a fantastic athlete in everything growing up. I mean, he played rugby league to a good level. He played cricket to a good level. He's just one of those people. Like he's just, he's just a born athlete. Multi-sport genius yeah just one of those guys that you probably hated in school because you were oh, low-key jealous of him yeah 100 <laughs> he, totally he was just good at everything and you were always trying to find like little chinks in his armor of how he might be bad at something or a bit of a prick when he never was <laughs> i can't recall that from personal experience by the way <laughs> all right guys Thank you both so much for jumping on. I think this is the beginning of a lot of cool things to come from Talk On, from your crew. And I appreciate all of our listeners staying patient with us. Until next time, boys, Talk On. Talk On, Talk On. <laughs>